Hello and welcome to Vet Club. Um, today it's me and Topher and we are going to talk about like my week, I guess, right? Yeah, things that you do in the clinic, teaching, other junk. Other junk? I don't, yeah, I mostly just sit around not doing much. Yeah. Yeah, don't tell anybody. Um, no, we had a uh, kind of an exciting, I guess it was like, like a week, week and change ago now, but okay. So when I moved, uh, to my new job, uh, in Virginia, I was, I think we've talked about this before. So moving to a new place where I was the only criticalist. So the idea was to kind of build a program. And so, um, but I interviewed in the middle of like 2020. <laughs> um, so it was all remote, my interview. So I didn't like go and check out the place. Um, so I, I, you know, it's a university hospital. So I kind of had a vague idea. I was like, it's going to be like most of them. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so, I, you know, I, I knew the specifications of like the ventilator that they had. And I knew I was like, yeah, that's fine for like short term. They have a, they had a transport ventilator, but they didn't really have a true long term mechanical ventilator. So I was like, I know that's one of the big ticket items I'm going to want. And so, you know, when I was negotiating for the position, we talked about like startup and I was like, yeah, we're going to need money for that. So not a big surprise when I when I got there that I was going to want to get a, a new ventilator. What was a surprise <laughs> was that the um, the infrastructure in place was not exactly where I thought it was going to be. So we didn't have like medical air. That's not true. We had the hookups for medical air, but the air compressor had apparently broken down 20 years before. And then somebody put a sticky note on it, said, don't fix it. And everybody just said, I guess we don't fix it then. Uh-huh. And so that like sort of just got inherited over the years. And, um, so when I got there and I was like, Hey, this thing doesn't work. And people are like, we don't even know what that's for. I'm like, it's for this. <laughs> we can use this. Is, like I, I want it's this to be that working. It was so tough to do too. Cause it's just a compressor. Well, the reason it was so tough. So it, it, essentially I, I talked to the, um, our, um, facilities manager who's super awesome. And I was like, Hey, I need this. This is a thing I need. And so initially we looked into repairing the system that was there. And then when we turned out that wasn't going to work, it was like, okay, we just have to replace it. The reason it, it took so long, it took like six or eight months to get all this happening was because this is in the midst of COVID, which is a respiratory virus, which means that hospitals all over the world and certainly all over the country were also like having, you know, they're just needing all the infrastructure for them. And so there was like a backlog yeah, but to get the right um, people. It's just, uh, I guess it's because it's, it's medical. Yes. Basically. So it required specific though, licensing. Like, all to the, do it. like it's the same. If you're using an air compressor it's to do same. paint, hundred percent the same. You, you probably want it cleaner than air that you pump into a patient's cage or into their lungs. So directly into their lungs. But yeah, you don't want anything in your paint sprayer either. I mean, I, so I, I can't comment on the yeah. comparative quality of well, you don't want paint, it, like, air you don't compression. Want anything on your right. I, it, essentially, it's the same thing. It's but just because you, you have to you have do require like a, yeah, a special certification. A special certification. Yeah. So we had to wait. And I know it's just a regular compressor because I picked up the old one for <laughs> yeah. my job. So um, at any rate, it took us a long time to get that. But we finally got the air compressor working and the medical air working. So that was really exciting. So then... I got my new ventilator, which is actually a refurbished old ventilator. Um, and that wasn't as bad. Like there were certainly some ventilators um, that were sort of not off the market, but really hard to get a hold of because all the human hospitals are like, we need these. Um, so I didn't necessarily get my first choice. Or yeah, I remember when you called the people, they were like, like yeah, yeah, you can't get that one. Yeah. <laughs> Even refurbished. They were like, yeah, no. Um, 
but I'm, I did get, um, the new ventilator and then, you know, took a little bit to get all the like, uh, consumables, all the disposable supplies and things to go with it. Not that long, but had to get that ordered. And then it was like, Oh, you haven't ordered anything from this company in, you know, 16 years. So we have to reactivate your account, but, Oh, we're going to have to do it. So anyway, it's just, it was a lot of little steps, um, which is not exactly my favorite part of the job, yeah. but, um, but did it. And so finally, I just like want a tube that blows air into lungs. Yeah, exactly. Like bellows, but you know, fancy. And so got everything. Like we finally have everything. Miracle Max did. Yeah. In yeah, mechanical ventilation. The that's literally what that Princess was. Princess Bride. It wasn't. He just did ventilation. Yeah. Right. And he gave him a chocolate covered rock. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's fancy stuff. Um, I'd like to think mine's a little fancier than that, but it certainly is more expensive than whatever it is they paid him. <laughs> but um, he did a miracle. Yeah, semi miracle. They miracle max. Yeah, you know. All right. That sorry. the king fired, but anyway. Um. So. We finally got everything set, and so then le- the end of last week, I had a case. Woohoo! Finally had a case. So the neurology team, the neurology service, um, it was like Friday, like mid afternoon, we're like, "Hey, we have this case here that is hypoventilating, and it had been seen like a week and a half prior for a herniated disc in its neck, and it had gone to surgery. Initially, went home." Not recovering as great as they would have liked, but was doing okay. And then it declined at home, came back in, was doing much, much worse, and it was hypoventilating. And so it, it was not clear at that time what the underlying reason was. Had the dog developed, you know, a new problem, uh, myelomalacia, where like the spinal cord melts, essentially. It's bad. Yeah, it's bad and it's irreversible and they die. Um, but we, like we didn't, you can't tell on a physical exam what the problem is. And so they talked to the, the owners and they were like, well, we need to do another MRI and see what's going on at this location and find out if something fixable. Um, and so they did, and it was something fixable. So it turns out it had herniated more disc. Um, so they took it back to surgery, removed all the disc. Everything apparently went really well with the second surgery. But on recovery, not surprisingly, because the dog was hypoventilating before surgery, it was still hypoventilating because, you know, it takes a little time to recover from that stuff. So we got to put the dog on the ventilator. And, um, and yeah, so that was the, that was the big thing. So, um, I don't know. What should we talk about? Should we talk about indications for putting a dog on a ventilator? There are three. Yeah. Do you know what what did you, uh, what did you think they were? What did you use for this dog? What do you mean? What did I use? I don't know. I don't know anything about ventilating. Well, so there's three reasons that you have to ventilate a dog. And like ventilation just means that you are taking over breathing for the patient. Like that's the, the in the simplest terms. Oh, you, yes. One, that it's paralyzed. Like from like a the coral snake bite. Yes, but it's specifically paralysis of the respiratory muscles. So you could be paralyzed and still be able to breathe. Yeah. yeah. That okay. That's paralyzed. Okay. So that would be that would fall under what we call just hypoventilation, meaning you are not taking enough breaths. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's one. I guess another one is just too fatigued. Yeah, that is one where basically like impending respiratory failure because you're fatiguing. And this one's a little bit um it's the most sort of vague to define. Um, and it's, uh, if you think about like breathing, obviously you breathe all the time. Like you never take a break. Those muscles don't take a break, but there is a difference between restful breathing and like exertion. So, um, you know, I, I often use the example, imagine you are handcuffed to uh, a treadmill and you have to keep up with that treadmill 
because if you don't, you die, literally, um, in, in this kind of analogy. And as the treadmill speeds up and goes faster and faster and faster, it gets harder and harder to keep up with that. Yeah. And uh, eventually the muscles will fatigue and no matter how in shape you are, you will fail. Like you can, you could probably walk, you know, the, the, the equivalent, I mean, walking is the equivalent of restful breathing. You could do that indefinitely, um, at least until, you know, other things give out, but, um, your muscles aren't usually, um, what caused the problem if you're breathing at a normal restful pace and you can, you can tolerate short bursts of exertion, but, if you're running a marathon that never ends, eventually your muscles just give out. Um, and so that's kind of what that impending fatigue is when you start to see that. And usually it doesn't happen instantly. It's usually kind of a gradual when it comes to breathing. You don't just suddenly stop and collapse and take no more breaths. But you will often see that impending hypoventilation. But you, we can just look at a patient and be like, a patient is working really hard and they're struggling and we probably should help them out. So those two are kind of linked, um, but impending respiratory fatigue, not taking enough breaths, either not deep enough breaths or not enough in number or both. And then what would be the third indication? Maybe this is a guess, but okay. it's like you're breathing wrong and you're just getting too much CO2 and not like you're not getting rid of your CO2? That's the definition of hypoventilation, um, essentially. Okay. So that's so, the first one? The yeah, that's still the one. first one. Yeah. But like, why do you breathe? What's breathing for? One is to get rid of CO2, as you said. Yeah, is to get oxygen. Yeah. And so the those can be, um, you can be getting rid of enough CO2 and not taking in enough oxygen because CO2 is like 200 times more diffusible across your alveoli, the little air sacs, than oxygen. So you might be ventilating fine, meaning breathing off CO2 just fine, but not enough oxygen is getting in. And that's the third indication for mechanical ventilation is severe um, hypoxemia that uh, is basically after like normal support, like you've provided some supplemental oxygen, you've done like the normal things and they're still not getting enough oxygen. That's the third indication for mechanical ventilation. And usually... Most references will just have a number cut off. If your your PaO2, meaning the uh, amount of dissolved oxygen in your arterial blood, is below sixty millimeters mercury, with supplementation. So despite you know getting oxygen supplementation, that's an indication to go on a ventilator. Or if your PaCO2 or your end title whatever, but your carbon dioxide is above sixty. Um, normally it should be around 40 normal PaO2 should be about hundred. Uh, but so if that creeps too high, so it's nice when they're the same number. So if the CO2 is above 60 or the oxygen is below 60, either of those, um, should get you thinking like, we should probably breathe for this patient. And then again, the other one is more subjective. Just looking at a patient being like, you are struggling. Would you like me to help you? So you um, need ventilation when you're not getting enough oxygen. Yep. You're not getting rid of carbon dioxide fast enough. Yep. Or you're lazy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're just like, ah, you know what? I could use a break. I just, just don't. This breathing is just so much the work. Time. Literally, like I never get a break, and it's just, it's just. Exhausting. I even take a break from eating pizza every now and then. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> um, those might be linked, actually. So, those are the three like broad indications. The um, easiest one, like to to ventilate is the hypoventilation 
the neural CO2. Yeah. Yeah. Because all you have to do is just like, whoop, give them a breath. And you're like, hey, look at that. The oxygen, like the gases are exchanging. Um, so if the lungs are healthy, but it's a neurologic problem, which is usually what it is with hypoventilation, is um, if you just blow the air in, um, the gas will exchange because the lungs are working. That is very different than um, like the usual where it's... Um, like a hypoxemic patient, it's because the lungs are damaged. Um, and those are harder to ventilate for a variety of reasons. But um, this was great because it was uh, a neurologic case, which are easier to ventilate. Um, and their um, potential, the prognosis is generally better as long as the underlying reason for the original hypoventilation carries a good prognosis. Like they, the mechanical ventilation part usually can go pretty well. So what do you do other than shove a tube down their throat and press on? I mean, that's pretty much it. Um, so what you have to you do... you like 12 years of school for that? It wasn't 12 years of school. I mean, my residency was three years. So it is a little bit more than that. And so the, the difference... So like most, most students... Um, and, and, you know, clinicians that are practicing out there are familiar with ventilating patients or breathing for patients when they're under anesthesia. And this is essentially what That's we're right, doing. They use a little like squeeze bottle. So you can do it manually. Yeah. So you can just squeeze the bag or they do have like very simplified, truly like just a bellows system that you set and you're like, give this volume and that sort of thing. And for short term, that's totally fine to just, you know, manually give breaths to a predetermined pressure and different things. Um, but um, there's a few reasons why that is um, not a good idea for longer term. And long term is like anesthesia. If, if, if this is more than like four or six hours, like this is now long term um, when it comes to ventilation. So one, just having somebody sit there, breathe for the patient is pretty labor intensive um, and also prone to issues, prone to errors, mistakes. Um, ad, uh, modern mechanical ventilators are pretty advanced and pretty fancy in um they're fairly sophisticated in what type of breath they can deliver and all the settings that you can choose. And that's where, um, you know, a specialist or somebody with advanced training in mechanical ventilation comes in. So it's choosing the different settings for the ventilator. So the mode of ventilation, meaning what type of breaths you want the machine to give. Um, so it's like a Lamaze class. It's not even a little bit like that. <laughs> I don't know. I've never taken a Lamaze class. Neither have you. That's clearly what you've learned from like on television shows I've and movies. I've seen a lot of Hugh Grant movies. A lot of Hugh. Do they do a lot of Lamaze breathing? Yeah, he's always Hugh? getting somebody pregnant. <laughs> so he used to. He's a very different character now. Now he's like like a gangster bad guy. He's he's the bad guy. Like oh, if yeah, you he's see Hugh Grant in a movie in now, if you see Hugh Grant in a movie now, like he he did yeah, it. He's, he's the murderer. I think he's in. He's dirty in the next movie he's into. Isn't he's he in the, the new one? He's the, I don't know what's the new one. I don't know. There's. I think there's a new movie where it's like, oh, that's Hugh Grant. That. Oh my, what was the one we saw looking. with him and Matthew McConaughey that was really good? Gentleman. The Gentleman. Oh my God, that was so good. We saw it twice in the theater. Yeah, we see movies for free though. So. Well, we don't see them for free. We we pay a monthly subscription. And then Regal we Crown Club. <laughs> yeah. So I really like that though. If you if you like Guy Ritchie movies, you should totally see The Gentleman if you haven't seen it yet. I would. See, we should see that again. We should. And not in the theater because it's probably not in there. But we should we should find a way to watch that. I liked it a lot. Anyhow, um, the different modes of ventilation. Um, there's there's two basic ways that a machine will deliver breaths, and it's volume controlled or pressure controlled or you know volume delivered or pressure delivered. Meaning 
the machine will det- will deliver a breath to a predetermined tidal volume. So you're like, okay, based on my patient's size, I want you to deliver this amount. And when it's delivered that amount, it will stop giving the breath. There are some like parameters you can be like, unless you hit this issue, um, or you can do a pressure delivered breath where you say, I'm gonna, I want you to deliver a breath to this predetermined pressure. And then whatever volume that happens to be is fine. And the things that will impact those settings are the compliance of the lungs um, and flow. Yeah, there's lots of things, how much resistance there is in the airways and, and things like that. So um, it does get a little bit more or a lot more complicated depending on who you're talking to. Um, and again, this particular case was not all that challenging because the dog's lungs worked. Mm -hmm. And so then it was just a matter of, okay, I want to provide support for the patient. Yeah. Um, What happens if the patient starts breathing again? Well, that's the cool part. Um, And so that's the fun thing that mechanical ventilators do that like an anesthesia ventilator won't do is that depending on how you've chosen your settings. um, But like what I, what I chose, what I almost always end up using is called SIMV or synchronized intermittent mandatory ventilation. What that means is synchronized, meaning the machine will try to synchronize with the patient. It will deliver a mandatory number of breaths. Like I set the minimum number of breaths and the machine will deliver those breaths no matter what. But if the patient wants to take a breath, the machine's like, cool, absolutely. You know what? Not only will I allow that, I will support you in taking that breath. Um, and so if the patient triggers a breath, you can decide like how much support should the machine give it? And it's like, Oh, here's support you like, Oh, cause you know, you're, you've had a rough go of it. So let me, let me help you out with this breath. Um, and that's what I chose for this patient because I, it's, it's a nice kind of middle of the road option where I, I can make sure she's getting enough breaths to not be problematic. But if she wants to take a breath on her own, she can not only will the machine support her, but it will tell me, Hey, she tried to trigger a breath and I supported her. And so I can note that and say, Oh, cool. She's trying to take breaths on her own. Um, so, so that's really helpful. The problem with that is maybe you could take a guess, but like knowing when the patient wants to, like, how do you know if a patient wants to take a breath? Right. Could just be like gasping. Well, gasping would be wanting to take a breath, but how does the machine know? Cause it's just a machine. Oh, uh, I would think it would have some sort of, um, valve system and it would have a sensor. So in the it tries to intake air, it would trigger it and it would be able to sense like how, how hard of a inhale the machine would be take like on the tube. Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty, yeah, pretty much. Um, so it's like pretty easy to, to sense something like that. It's sensing. So you have two options, um, usually on most machines for what to set the machine to sense is a breath. Um, so keeping in mind that when we take breaths normally, they're simplistically, they're negative pressure breaths, right? So we've talked about that before. You are, um, you know, contracting your diaphragm to increase the volume in your thoracic cage, which lowers the pressure compared to atmospheric and air flows in. So you're sort of generating negative pressure by increasing the volume. When you're on the mechanical ventilator, it's delivering a positive pressure breath. So it's increasing the pressure outside of the patient's lungs to to force air kind of to flow inward. So it's a very different dynamic. But what the machine will do is if the patient is trying to generate a breath, meaning it is either generating a little bit of negative pressure or reversing the direction of the, f- the flow of air, it will sense that. And so it can either be a pressure triggered breath or a, a flow triggered breath. And you can decide how sensitive you want to make that within the parameters of the machine. Um, 
there are problems with that um, because, you know, if uh, say your nurse or your technician is doing like treatments, you know, care and they're like, you know, turning the patient's hips or that kind okay, of thing. Okay, they squeeze them. Yeah. Or they're you know, not usually, even just moving them can yeah. sometimes jiggle the flow. And then um, the machine's like, oh, were you trying to take a breath? Here you go. And like the patient wasn't trying to take a breath. Or alternatively, if the, um, the, the sensitivity trigger is too much, like it's too hard for that patient's like, I'm trying to generate, but I don't have the strength to generate enough negative pressure or to reverse the flow enough that the machine will not recognize. The, so it's not perfect, right? Yeah. So, um, but you know, we try to like see what's the patient doing. Um, but the other thing you have to do uh, or you, you is really important to try to to try to do when you have a patient on the ventilator, particularly these um, neurologic patients, is they need to get some exercise, right? So we can completely take over the work of breathing, and in the short term, we we do that, and we want to do that. But those muscles of breathing, because you use them all the time, when you stop using them, they can start to atrophy pretty quickly. Like your body's like, I guess we don't have to breathe anymore, so I'm not going to send any energy to maintaining those muscles. And they can atrophy fairly quickly. So we try to actually give patients um, on a mechanical ventilator like little like exercise trips. So it's like, okay, I'm going to reduce the support for a little while and force you to work a little bit harder or even have short bursts where um, we, we take the patient off the ventilator for a little bit. Um, and we did that with this patient. Um, so the, the day after we had the patient, we initially put the patient on the ventilator. She was doing pretty well. This um, was all during a snowstorm. Too. This was all, yeah, it was, it was a, a snowy <laughs> weekend where I wasn't even on call. <laughs> and so, but that's okay. That's how it goes. Um, and so we, you know, the patient was doing pretty good, triggering some of her own breaths. I was like, all right, let's see what happens. And um, we we reduced her settings, you know, cut back her sedation because it's important to note that like patients on a ventilator are essentially in a medically induced coma so that they will tolerate it. Um, otherwise, it's pretty distressing and you won't leave a tube in your throat if you're fully awake. Yeah, why would you do that? <laughs> you wouldn't. Um, so we, we weaned the patient off of her sedation and... Um, she recovered nice and slowly and we ended up extubating her and she was breathing pretty well for a while. We're checking her carbon dioxide levels and she did pretty well for like, I don't know, six or eight hours. And then she started getting weak again. And so then I had to go back in and put her back on the ventilator, which wasn't a big shock. It wasn't terribly surprising. Um, it's always like a little disappointing because you hope that they're just like, yeah. woohoo, everything's fine. But I wasn't yeah, it was tough surprised I was by it. Closer to this. That was, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but that's okay. We put her back on the ventilator. So she got a good bit of exercise, which I wanted for her. Um, but once she was like, okay, I'm working pretty hard now. And, and the, the nurses recognized, like she's starting to look kind of distressed. Um, and sure enough, you know, her CO2 was creeping back up. And so we put her back on the machine again, kind of like we'd expected we'd have to. Um, and then she went back on the machine for like another 30 hours. We, we did in part make the decision not to wean her. So th that was like Saturday night, put her back on the machine. And then Sunday was like the storm. It snowed all day on Sunday. And so I went in Sunday morning and I talked to the team, uh, the neurology team who was, you know, kind of primary on her case. And I said, my advice is given the storm, so we don't have to have a bunch of people driving around back and forth multiple times, kind of like we did yesterday. Let's just plan to keep her on the ventilator until tomorrow morning when things hopefully are a little bit safer. And, and then we'll, and then we'll give her a full, you know, day and change of rest. And they were like, yep, that all makes sense. That sounds good. So that was a plan. Um, we did have to keep increasing her level of sedation because she was fighting the machine more and more. She was waking up and trying to be like, I don't want to do this, which was great. Like that's good 
indication for her that she was starting to improve neurologically. It was a little bit of a pain in the butt because we had to keep increasing her degree of sedation, but that's, that's okay. Um, if it had not been a snowstorm, I don't know, even if there hadn't been a snowstorm, I might've, you know, argued to keep her on for a little bit longer because I think it, you would have tinkered more if there had, I would have tinkered more, but I, but I would have recommended keeping her on partly because taking a patient off the machine in veterinary medicine, because in veterinary medicine, like people are mostly paying for these things out of pocket. Most people still don't have like um, health insurance for their pets. So I think the emotional roller coaster of putting a patient on the ventilator, having them come off and then having them sort of fail again, even though that's like expected and normal in those situations can be really emotionally devastating for clients. And I, I think we gotten to the point with these clients that if we took her off the ventilator and then had to put her on a third time, I think they would have stopped and they would have considered euthanasia. So even if we hadn't had a storm, I probably would have recommended the same thing, but the storm made it like really easy to make that decision. Like, let's just give this a full day and change. So it snowed all day Sunday and, um, she stayed on the ventilator and uh, the technicians did an amazing job caring for her. They were really fantastic. And then the following morning, Topher got up and shoveled the walkway so that I could get up and, and drive into work. The roads were in pretty good shape. It was a little, I went slower yeah, than usual. Yeah, it was our first time with the big snowstorm yeah. on our The roads were in pretty road. good shape though. And yeah. our, our road's really good. So yeah, that they was did a good job blowing we it. about with our house. Yeah, now we know. We're like, cool. They, they kept, they did a really good job. So I got into work a little slower than usual, but otherwise no problem. And yeah, took care of a few other patients we had and then took the patient off the ventilator. And she's been off ever since and went home the other day. Woo. Yeah, maybe not quite walking and running, but like definitely improving neurologically. Her Alive. motor was- breathing on her own, which was pretty darn exciting. So first patient we put on our new mechanical ventilator was successfully weaned, discharged from the hospital, still has some recovering to do at home, but I'm, I'm, I'm pretty optimistic for her. And, and the, the ventilation part of this case was a, a rounding success. I'm very, very proud um, of how that went and how, um, how the team did and how well the nurses did with everything. And yeah, it was pretty exciting. So it was a big week for me. Yeah. Oh, and you also had your first class of the semester that you're teaching. Yes. And the first, you're also taking a class. You had yes. your first class. Yeah, it was a full a week. Lot of firsts. A lot of firsts, yeah. I mean, it was the first class of my second class in my uh, education psychology master's program. Um, and yeah, the first class of my second time teaching the emergency course at, uh, at uh, Virginia, Maryland. And, but this one was in person where the class last year was all online and like pre-recorded lectures. So that was pretty fun standing in front of a lecture hall again, wandering around. Oh, that reminds me. Oh, I just forgot. I've been wanting to buy like one of those oh, pointers yeah. and I have to order one. Do that one more time. Yeah. I won't have it for tomorrow. So that's disappointing. Um, yeah, we'll do that when we're done here. <laughs> that was the thing I wanted because, okay. So you, cause you want to talk about other things I do. So that was the big part of my week was the ventilation case. But then also, yeah, it's been like two years since for students anyway, um, I've done some like CE that was in person, but haven't done a lot of live lecturing in a little while. And I haven't done any, um, at the Virginia tech, like the vet school campus. So I was in that little room and sometimes those rooms have the little I I'd pointers for you. lecture room before. Were you doing other stuff in there? Oh, I did like some club talks and stuff oh, like okay. that, but I don't think I'd done any like official courses. Yeah. Not yet. Um, so, oh, I did like one maybe, last, but that was just last semester. Wasn't part of this course. Anyhow, 
Um, I realized that this, the lecture hall, at least as far as I can tell, didn't have like a pointer or a, a slide advancer. And I wander when I lecture. I don't like to stand behind the podium that yeah. I like, I'd probably break something, wave my arms around. Right. Like, even when we're doing the podcast and there's nobody we recording. We should probably get two I'm of those pointers my... for when you accidentally throw it against the wall. I don't throw it against, I might drop it and step on it and trip, but I wouldn't throw it. I'm not going to get like angry. Well, you like, like, you're not going to throw it in anger. You're just going to be oh. swinging your arms around and it's going to, your yeah. hands are going to be clamming. It That's why out. I wander around so that I can stay away from like delicate fragile objects <laughs> and then i'd be fine and i like throw it at a student in the front row that's what you get for sitting in the front row back off um yeah so i think there was a student one time that had the comment that you gestured too much isn't that really right? i gesture i don't know I've there was something that about that i could see that being a thing that it would be distracting i always think that students are gonna um give feed give the feedback that i talk too fast and Usually, if anybody comments on it, on it, they'll say that I do talk fast, but they didn't see it was a problem, <laughs> which I think is really nice because um, it's a really hard thing for me to do. Like to, if I started to slow the pace that I talk, one, it feels really weird, and I suspect you start it to giggle. sounds really. <laughs> it's I even harder to understand you. Yeah, I suspect it sounds weird. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I, I do know too, like when lectures get recorded and students review them later, a lot of times they'll review them at like one and a half speed or two times speed. They're like, we can't really do that with your lectures. I feel like <laughs> the next video, we need, do we need to, to put in the Chris Tucker? What do you mean the Chris Tucker? The, where he's like, do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Yeah. Because he talks pretty quick too. He does. But then he'll like drag on like a certain word. Like, yeah, yeah. That'll be good. That'd be a good little side-by-side -side comparison. Yeah. We get, um, the students now probably don't know, but like the, the matchbox guy, remember the matchbox guy did in his commercials. He would like, do you know what I'm talking about? Matchbox, matchbox cars, like the matchbox cars, the commercials. Oh, I didn't watch those shows when I was It wasn't a, a show. It was the commercial. It was yeah, the guy from the commercials. They didn't have like toy commercials in the shows I was watching. Yes, they child. did. Oh, cause you were watching like golden, golden girls. girls. Yeah. <laughs> oh, your part, your parents golden wouldn't let girls. you watch cartoons when Alice. you were a kid. Alice. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's sad. I, we're going to watch Kiss some. Kiss We're going to go. We're going to go on YouTube and find some old matchbox. I bet you've seen them. You know, you just start forgetting what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, I haven't seen them enough. But um, but there was a guy, like a specific guy. I don't remember what his name was, if I ever the knew fine it. print guy. Well, he wasn't, but he was he was the guy on the commercial. Like he was the guy talking. The whole commercial was this guy. It wasn't just the, the, brr, the all the legalese at the end. Like the yeah. whole commercial was him talking really fast. That was that was his deal. Um. But anyway, he talks really fast. So, so yeah, I did some lecturing this week, which was fun. Um, we did our first journal club um, podcast. So that was good. Yeah. I think that went really start. well. So hopefully people are going to find that helpful. Some people watched it. Yeah? You mean listen to it? Yeah. Okay. I was like, we didn't put up a recording of yeah, it. Yeah, whatever. Okay. I was like, wait a minute, I'm confused now. So yeah, it was it was a full week. That was like that was like a fairly typical week. There's always something fun going on, some fun cases, and um, there's always some meetings and all. Oh that yeah, you had stuff. a fun teaching thing too. What was that? I think it was last week. It wasn't this week, but you did the you made some people make like a continuous suction oh, thing. Yeah, that was pretty exciting. I should probably we should 
I should ask them if I can put stuff like that on YouTube. But essentially, we had a case a couple of weeks ago of a dog that came in after being hit by a car and had a traumatic pneumothorax that was continuously leaking. And the place she originally went to, the emergency clinic, um, stabilized her, got her chest tubes in, but they didn't have a way to do continuous suction, or they didn't think they did. Um, they didn't have a commercially available kit for doing continuous suction. And so they transported her to us, um, but it's like 35, 40 minutes away and manually evacuating um, air, you know, on a non-ambulance in the back of your own car um, is tricky. And so when the dog got there, like she was in rough shape and and was trying to die, actually. We quickly got her hooked up to the continuous suction system we have. But some of the students were like, what do we do if this is, you know, an arc? clinic and we don't have this system. I was like, well, you can make your own three bottle system. And they were like, what? So I said, all right, here you go. You've got, you know, a homework challenge, not really a homework, an in, in, in clinic challenge. And so I told them, all right, go on Google and like look up how to do this. And then you're going to go around the hospital and find the materials you need. I kind of directed them a little bit. Anyway, I mean, just told them, look for a three bottle system. And, and then they were kind of wandering around trying to, I was like, maybe you could get some bottles like that. And I, so I directed them a little bit, but um, really they just let them loose and they worked together. There was like five or six of them um, worked together, went around the hospital, <laughs> went to like the sterile supply places. And they were like, do you have any leftover? Like, oh yeah, we have some that we're going to throw away. So they had some tubing that they gave them and they cut everything up and, and made the three bottle system and got creative and they were using packaging tape and they had some Play-Doh that they got because large animal uses it for something, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then they set it all up and then we ended up hooking up to the suction and turned it on and it worked. And it was very exciting and I was very proud of them. It was really fun. They did a good job. And it, yeah, so it was one of those things where I gave them just a teeny tiny bit of direction and then they ran with it. And yeah, so I think, you know, at the end I I asked them, I was like, okay, you guys feel like if you were in practice, you could do this. And they were like, yeah, I mean, maybe not just from memory, but like, they're like, they now conceptually, they know I could do this. Yeah. If you could do I stuff have to go back junk, then you know yeah. how it works. Exactly. And then we talked through like, here's what's happening. Here's what's happening. The suction here. This is why this is that, you know? So afterwards we kind of went through to solidify it. And again, I don't remember, I don't expect them to be like from memory. I know I have this bottle this way, but like, but you could go online, find a picture again and be like, okay, that's right. It needs to go like this. And they could construct their own. And it took them about 15 minutes. I think once they had all the materials gathered, if that. And so, you know, 15 minutes, you could have a nurse sitting there doing manual evacuation of a dog's chest until you got that ready. And then boom, look at that. Saved a life. It's pretty fun. So yeah, that was exciting too. So yeah, had a good couple of weeks. So you don't just soapbox in front of students. I mostly do that. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's like 90% of what I do. Um, I should get like a cape of just like a, like a, an outline of me standing on a soapbox with like a megaphone. Like yeah. that, that actually, I think I should get one of those. <laughs> that would be pretty awesome. That's totally me though. Yeah. I, I am. The, I mean, that's why we have the podcast. So I'm the queen of soapboxes. Um, but yeah, this was not, that wasn't, it wasn't a very soapboxy week though. It was, all right, you guys go do these things. I mean, I, it was a normal amount of soapboxes. I talk about all the things. This is why we do this type of fluid. This is why we don't do that. This is why this is better. No, we don't need antibiotics for that. Mm-hmm. And then non-work things. Saw a couple movies. Yeah. Are we talking about non-work things too? Yeah. You do more than work. I mean, I, yeah, that's true. We could talk about that. Um, so we booked a trip. Oh yeah. We you should book a trip. tell everybody about the trip because yeah. then we can start updating people on that. Yeah. We're going to go do a very strenuous hike in the Grand Canyon. Level five of five rated strenuous. Yeah. By REI. They're very concerned. They're very not worried. Do it. <laughs> they are. They're so worried we're going to die. Yeah. 
It doesn't yeah. seem that. I mean, I think it's, it's hard. Yeah, but it seems hard, but it doesn't seem like. Oh my god, you're not gonna make it. Yeah. Yeah, it's All just the, like uh, I, maybe it's just that they like their um the the what are the guides tolerance for people being annoying and whiny is very low. Yeah, <laughs> and so they're just like, we will not wait for you. Like if yeah. you slow us down, we're gonna leave you behind. I don't know. I guess um, I don't know. They're just trying to avoid right. like people getting there and getting in over their heads. But it's really funny. So we had to like we booked it, we put a deposit down, and then we had to call and like prove to them. <laughs> <laughs> no, like we know what we signed up for and we feel like reasonably in shape and it's like eight or nine months from now. It's like, and here's the, you know, what yeah, additional training are you going to do? How much training are you doing? I don't know if that's enough. Not, they're not being that bad. Actually. No, they're just like, do you feel like you could do this tomorrow? I'm like, yeah, sure. Yeah, I know. It was like on a scale of one to 10, what is it likely? I was like, I don't know, eight or nine. You go walk outside in the heat. That sounds awesome right now yeah and so and neither so you and i are both like we're pretty stubborn too and like we would be dying but we wouldn't say anything we're like we yeah. just power through we're like i don't want anybody to know we're not prepared for this and so we're just gonna deal with it which is maybe not what they want but we're like we're doing crossfit two or three times a week at least yeah. um we did that like thousand step ups in an hour or whatever that was I was like, that's, yeah, it was a thousand. It took about an hour. Yeah. And so I was like, I feel like that's what that is. We did that without any breaks. Yeah. There was literally no break for there, that. I took like a couple second break to go get water a couple times. Did you? Yeah. I, I think, think you, you did, did it too. once. I think you got a water break once. Time. I think maybe I did once. Yeah. Maybe. But like we didn't stop. Yeah. You walked over to get the thing. So, I mean, that's what we would be doing, except we probably would take more breaks. We, we to be fair, we would be wearing backpacks that like weigh 30 or 40 pounds, but yeah. we weren't doing that during the... But those steps, every single one of those steps we was stupidly to. high. We were supposed but to. But I didn't we were have like, a book bag. Yeah. And that wasn't going to happen anyway. Yeah, no. I was like, no, that's silly. Um, but yeah. Um, so anyway, that's exciting. So we're like looking at all the stuff we have to get and all the equipment because it's going to be like a three-day backpacking. Like we're going to go and camp out, bring our, carry our sleep, carry everything with you. Um, we're going to go down the in the north rim and we're going to hike down into the canyon and then hike during one day and then hike out of the ca- I don't really know. I yeah. don't look at that. We're just looking at all the stuff. That's why we have a guide. Tells us where to go. Yeah, yeah. So That's why we need lost. a guide. Because if we were there, it was like, oh, let's go. Well, this let's way. just go. Yeah, we wouldn't plan at all. We'd be terrible. Yeah, that's, be like, that's our style. Don't we just go down and then come back up? They're like, no, you have to follow. Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, I'm looking forward to that. That's that's not until September, but it'll be on your birthday. Well, unless they change the dates. Yeah. But yeah, we scheduled it for um, the end. We'll finish on my birthday. Mm-hmm. So that night we're going to have a heck of a good dinner. Yeah. Either that or we're just going to pass out and fall asleep at like Go to Vegas. Oh yeah. We'll finish up. In One Vegas. of the reviews was really funny. It's like, it's like, oh, if, after you go to the beautiful majesty of the Grand Canyon, we made the mistake of going back and staying in Vegas and being in like that the desolate area. Blah, 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 blah. Blah. <laughs> it's like, oh, wow. Had, someone's kind of judging. Had you not judging. heard of Vegas? <laughs> I mean, they're not like the Grand Canyon is. Like, they're not promoting themselves really as cool being the nature thing, but. Las Vegas is pretty cool too. Yeah, it's in its own right. It's yeah. very, very different got, things. Like the best shows in the world. Yeah. And like yeah. everything's gaudy and awesome. They have a pyramid. <laughs> yeah, they do. People go to Egypt for that. There's one in Vegas. <laughs> so yeah, we did that. The Eiffel Tower's there. What else have we done? So we booked that trip. We've done, we've gone to the movies a few times. We saw The King's Daughter. Yeah. We saw West Side Story. What else? Um, I've seen some other things lately. We worked out a couple times. We did it's been a while it. since we had seen a movie because of the snowstorm kind of. Yeah, the snowstorm. The and snowstorm had, and you were busy with your ventilation thing. Well, and then nothing had really come out for a bit too. Yeah, just Scream came out. Yeah. I haven't seen any of the previous Screams. 
But we saw some of the other stuff that had come out not long ago. I don't know. Like we saw obviously the second Spider or the last, the most recent Spider-Man. We saw SNL had a really funny skit about, I think it was SNL. It was um, Joe Biden was blaming the, the new coronavirus thing on um, people going to see the new Spider-Man movie. And really what <laughs> it broke down SNL. to is he like, wanted to see Spider-Man, but he couldn't get in. He couldn't get two tickets too together. Many people were going. He, that was yeah. the skit on SNL. Yeah. I watched about half. It was like an eight minute cold You're open. You're like, all right, I get it. And I was like, ah. <laughs> I get the joke now. Yeah, you took it a little too far. <laughs> <laughs> Who's playing Joe Biden on SNL? Um, I don't know his name, but I like him. He's the, he's kind of <laughs> the new much. deadpan guy. He's like the new Chris Parnell. I don't know. Um, he's the taller white one. It <laughs> could be all oh, so many of yeah. them. Yeah. <sighs> um, all right. Well, we'll Google it and report yeah. back later or somebody else can tell us. Who it yeah, was, he's but. the new taller Chris Parnell. Okay, cool. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. All the characters I can think of are very specific. I can't think of like a yeah. normal character that he did. That's funny. So yeah, that's uh, that's mostly been our last couple of weeks. It's been pretty good. Yeah, it's been um, cold. Yeah, you know, it's winter time, and yeah. we don't live in Florida anymore. Dry. Everywhere we park, Where's I have to get play out. Play the, the womp, womp, womp. Uh, I don't know which one that is. You I don't think know it's, which one it is anymore. It's not this one's rap. Turn the volume up though. It's gonna be this one. Nope. <laughs> this one. Nope. <laughs> this one. We we really should label those. <laughs> That's, we haven't been using them as much lately. Yeah, I guess not. I have to make fun of you more so we can use those. All right. So anyway, that was the week-ish. We can change. Um, oh, that's so what we can call this. We can call we it can the week. The week. Yeah, it's just like that uh, like news Like the magazine? Yeah. Yeah. But so it's our it's version. It's the week. It's, yeah, yeah. Vet week. Um, and so, so this yeah. week, people can expect another journal club on Tuesday? Another journal club on Tuesday. Yep. And then maybe we'll try to do a vet book. And then, okay, yeah, we try to do that book. But you're hoping that this this will kind of become a weekly thing where we just yeah. recap what's been going on and I highlight like fun cases or fun teaching things that happened. Yeah. Hmm. So yeah, we'll try to try to do that. And then you guys can let us know if you like it or you hate it and never yeah. tell us about what movies you've seen ever again. We're not <laughs> spoiling the movies for you, hopefully. No. Um, go to the movies. Yeah. There was Be a weird safe, thing though. with the... Wear a mask if you have to. The king's daughter it seemed like none of the actors were together like the you think look, everything was green yeah screen? i don't think pierce brought saw it. any of the other characters i didn't notice any of that stuff yeah there's a scene where he got I, really close to his daughter I go to the movie and he was at the back of her hair and it looked like he never touched her hair i go to the movies and i like to immerse myself in it i don't try to criticize um the movie to try to get get myself out of the moment yeah, so i'm gonna need you both. to work on that I, it sounds like you don't no, i really like the movie right but you were like critiquing their special effects yeah good now there's the fa- <laughs> they're the fact that they have special effects when you just have the two people together Meh. yeah Meh. pierce Brows is he's a busy man <laughs> uh, all right so that's it for this week uh thanks for joining us and hopefully you'll uh, you'll be tuning in for our journal clubs and then just our our weekly updates uh, like and subscribe like sure <laughs> <laughs> we yeah. don't have either of I was going to say, it's, I don't know how they do it. <laughs> just keep listening. It's just a thing people say. Just keep listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.